0: On this episode of Scammer Stories, after years of searching for a therapist's point of view, I finally found just the right person. If you're a first-time listener, my name is April, and my mother was taken for $350,000 in a romance scam before her death. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you're going to finally hear from a counselor who can tell you how to start the healing process. Therapist Kathy Wilson is all in for the fight against romance scams. She created a website that was so popular that it led to a book. Tell us where you live and a little bit about what you do.
1: Okay. I'm Kathy Wilson and I'm a counselor in Littleton, Colorado. I've had a private practice here for over 10 years and um, have some counselors working for me. And the primary things that we work with are trauma and also relationship issues. And so, Those work areas are kind of what led me into working with people who have been scammed.
0: Sounds like the perfect background for it.
1: It is. It is. Trauma is probably the main thing you're working on after you've been scammed. It Mm -hmm. is very traumatic.
0: So when was your first patient?
1: I I believe the first person I worked with was somewhere around 2014 or 15.
0: That's about when my whole ordeal started too. And I hadn't heard much about it before then. So you and I were talking about how hard it's been for me to find a therapist to speak with and explain to me why that is.
1: First of all, that isn't really a specialty area necessarily that therapists have ever looked at as what they work with. Many, many, many therapists work with trauma. And so I would say that if you are looking for a therapist, that's the kind of therapist to look for.
0: It's not just about the credentials.
1: If it doesn't seem like a good fit pretty quick, then you find another therapist that works with trauma and see if that person is a good fit. And sometimes that might be personality. Sometimes the person might get a sense of the therapist doesn't seem like they're really getting it or something along those lines. And then you look for another one because there's one out there for everybody.
0: Okay, so tell us about um, what you've done um, since you have been doing this for several years and and what you've started.
1: This kind of started with those first few clients that I had, and that led me to look for resources for them because I believe one of them had indicated, I can't find any support groups. I can't find anything to help me with this part of it. So I started looking myself, and sure enough, there's not a lot of resources for the emotional piece.
0: When Kathy starts to tell me how she couldn't find resources, I finally understood why it's been so hard for me to track down a counselor for this podcast. I could barely get therapists to even respond with a, no, I'm not interested. I did have one therapist that agreed to the interview, but she said those six ugly words. How could they be so stupid? So I was done with that therapist, of course, and continued the hunt to find someone with better uh, qualifications.
1: There's lots of things about protecting yourself in terms of things you do to watch out for this or monitor your credit, but not a lot on the emotional piece. And so I wrote a bit for my website about this, and it was aimed at family and friends, right? Here's how you support someone who's been scammed. So it was kind of with this idea of there isn't support out there, so I'm going to put this out to help people support others. And it became very popular, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the more calls I got from people who had been scammed and realized how many people were finding that and it was helpful, I decided to expand it into a book. So now we have the book that came out last year, The Emotional Impact of Being Scammed and How to Recover.
0: How many people do you think have contacted you? Oh, I would say that it's in the hundreds. How hmm
1: And I know there's many more that have contacted me, but they weren't quite ready to leave a message or didn't feel it was necessary. But I can't tell you how many calls I've received in the middle of the night and thought it was probably someone who'd been scammed and found my webpage. So I hope that at least the webpage has been helpful to people, even if they didn't contact us.
0: And the men and women, you think, the ones that haven't left a message, they're embarrassed, you think? I do. I do. And and that's that's
1: a thought for me that really feels important. There's lots of statistics out there on last thing I saw, it's a $3.3 billion industry. And my thought always goes to how many more people are there that didn't report because it was too much shame. It was just too hard to reveal it to anyone. That's a big part of why that book exists is there's some help, even if the person doesn't want to talk to another person about it.
0: So I did yeah. go to the website and read your outline. Can you kind of go over a little bit about it, about what you've posted?
1: Sure. What's fresh in my mind is is the book is kind of organized around three sections, which is the emotional impacts and all the different ways that might look for a person and how it happened. And then the third part of that, it, third part of the book is the healing and recovery. What kind of things can you do to help yourself? And in particular, one of the things I wanted when I did the webpage initially, I wanted a list of things not to say <laughs> to someone. That seemed really important because people tend to have this initial thought, oh, wow, I, how did you not know about that being a scam? for instance. And not everybody sees everything we do, right? And at the same time, scammers are very good at what they do. They've honed skills in psychological manipulation, and that's what they do. They manipulate, and they're very good at it. That's why people get scammed so easily. But those list of statements were, how could you let that happen? And things like that.
0: Yeah, the one that I hate. That people have said to me is, how could she be so stupid? And I think that's on mm-hmm. your page. Yeah. How rude. Yeah. <laughs> it is rude.
1: It's, it's a terrible thing to say to someone, especially when you don't really know the sequence of events or statements or conversation and how that unfolded for that person. You just don't know. And what were you thinking? Oh, there's such damaging statements. And... And I could say a whole lot about those statements and where they come from, but we'll leave that for another conversation maybe.
0: <laughs> okay, so I want to kind of get some answers for my myself here. Because one thing I'm struggling with, because my mom was so put together. She was so mm-hmm. together. She was a career woman. You know, she was smart. And I just still am thinking, how could this mm-hmm. happen? And I want to know kind of what's going on in the mind of a, a victim. Okay.
1: I think one of the primary things that makes a person so easily fooled by these scammers is that scammers tend to get them when they're vulnerable. So romance scams, that's what happened to your mom, right? Yeah. So you have a person who they've either decided... Okay, it's time. I'm going to get back out there. Or they're tremendously lonely. They just want a companion in life. And so they reach out and they look for that companion, but there's a vulnerability going on with them within that person with that loneliness and the pain that they're feeling over that. And so other scams are based on fear, right? Oh, we've got a warrant out for your arrest. You need to pay this now or someone's coming for you. Or it's a person who's out of work and needs a job, right? And so they're financially strained. And this is the answer. This scam looks really good, right?
0: Quick story. This is so embarrassing. But if I'm going to share other stories, I need to share my own. So in 2008, I was working at a TV station and not making much money. I was married to a gambling addict. We lived in a shithole, and he was constantly pressuring me to make more money. I googled recruiters and found a company in Tulsa in a nice part of town, a really nice, tall office building. When I got there, he told me I was underpaid. He could find a job for me guaranteed for double the money. The catch was... I had to give him $3,500 right then and there, or the offer was gone. Now, I didn't give him the money, but I did bake him a cake. (laughs) And so
1: that's, I think, one key piece of how people get pulled into what the person is saying. And like I said, they're very skilled at psychological manipulation tactics. And they use them to get a person believing that they're for real.
0: I've said on my podcast before, some of the worst decisions I've made in my life involved romance. You know, oh. I've really I've made really poor decisions with the <laughs> men I've chosen and, you know, stayed with men too long. And so I could see how that could happen. You know, affairs of the heart kind of, our brains go haywire.
1: Oh, yes. And when this person is saying all the things we want to hear, you're beautiful. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right? And those... Those statements, they hit home. We need to hear them. And when this person is kind and thoughtful and they they have paid attention and noticed when we said, this was our favorite song, then they do something for us related to that favorite song. There's many, many little things like that that all stack up to help us believe, oh, this person, this is the one. Yeah, it's just such a painful, painful experience, and they play on your emotions.
0: So the patients that you've seen, Mm -hmm. how long did it take for them to start kind of feeling better? Was it years?
1: I would say it was many months to years. It does take quite a while to start feeling better. I tend to first go after that thought. That the person is saying to themselves, I'm so stupid. How could I be so dumb? How could I be fooled? I tend to go after that and talk about, I'll call it evidence, that that is not true. And I also go after it as a belief that is incorrect, In terms of that thing that happened, that was a mistake, one mistake. And granted, sometimes people push back and say, oh no, I made that mistake over and over with this person. So step back. That's a mistake, what happened there. And this does not say anything about who you are. You have the entire rest of your life and all of your other experiences that all say otherwise. That you're not a stupid person.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. would you have to say for? I've spoken with several women who hmm. their scammer has confessed and they now know the real identity of the person, hmm. and the scammer continues to pull on their heartstrings and the victim continues oh. to talk to the scammer. What does that do on their emotional well being and what would you recommend?
1: I would recommend either. Exploring the idea of trauma bonding or working on that with a therapist. So trauma bonding is essentially the same thing as uh, Stockholm syndrome. Many of us have heard that phrase. And and now the phrase that we tend to be using in the mental health field is trauma bond instead of Stockholm syndrome. And it's that relationship, that bond with that person, it feels like love It feels like what we want, but it's actually trauma, and working through that aspect is probably going to help people get to the other side of that, where they don't feel so bonded with that person. They can resist those hooks that he keeps saying to them.
0: That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. It's almost like they get addicted to the attention, and they they can't stop.
1: It is kind of like that. Very much so.
0: And what would you say to the women who are angry so they go online and mess with scammers?
1: Hmm. Well, what comes to my mind about that is one thought is that people tend to get retargeted. and, And so the more you put out there about having been scammed, maybe not a great idea. Finding another way to find closure for yourself on this, to find justice, we'll say, is, is probably more healthy overall for the person. But I definitely encourage people to, to actively pursue something that helps them feel like they have some justice, they have some closure, they have switched this experience, They've they've found that silver lining, and that's their
0: focus now like what I did with the podcast. Exactly, yes. Do you have many family members reach out to you? Yes, definitely
1: have family members reach out. I would say it's split evenly between family members who are just looking for additional ideas and they want to talk through it and see if something comes out of our conversation to help them help their person heal. About half of them are people who are frustrated, too, that their family member or their friend keeps going back. They keep getting hooked in or they can't convince them that it's a scam at all. The person is convinced that that person that they love is for real and finding ways to convince them otherwise. ooh, so difficult sometimes.
0: And what are some things that work? Because that's always something that goes over in my mind. What should I have done differently? Some people have done like interventions. Some people have just found a picture. And-
1: right. And there are digital forensics companies that are an option. They're, they're somewhat expensive, but you could pursue that as a family member to help prove it. I tend to think that addressing the person's emotions is going to gain you more traction. In helping them see. So, acknowledging, I know what you're seeing this as. I have a lot of concern about it because of X, Y, and Z. And speaking to, like, acknowledging what this person's emotions are and what their reality is as a way in and continuing to show them evidence that it's not for real. It is a scam, but. It's almost like some people have to come to that conclusion themselves.
0: Totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I would love to have more therapists focus on this because a lot of the women I've spoken to have said that that's when they finally realized what was happening. But the problem mm-hmm. is, number one, they have to be willing to reach out to a therapist. and Number two, they have to be able to find mm-hmm. a therapist who could help them. Absolutely.
1: I am actually working on a training course for therapists to educate them about scams in general, about how to approach that in therapy with a person, things not to say, things definitely to say, on the opposite side of that. I'm actually working on a video series for that and a video series for advocates, family and friends, and then another one for people who have been scammed themselves. So I'm hoping that all three of those will be helpful and we'll get more counselors and therapists out there that understand this. And in the back of my mind, there's also this idea of creating a form of directory that people can come to to find a therapist who has some experience when someone has been scammed. But that's that's still... I'm noodling that one still.
0: Oh, I love that idea, though. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. would be great. Yes. Yes, it would. It would. Have you helped men, too, or are most of yours women?
1: Oh, yes. It's men and women and all forms of scams. Romance scams is probably the one I hear about the most. Occasionally, I've heard about scams that I hadn't ever heard of before, would never have imagined that being a scam, and it was.
0: Can you give us an
1: example? I sure can. The one that is first in my mind always is a moving company that looks legit online. They've got a Google listing, etc. But in actuality, they take the person's money and their belongings and
0: disappear. Oh, that would be awful.
1: (laughs) Right? So awful. They're despicable people. And so it's a little scary to think about how creative, unfortunately, scammers can be. And so definitely one thing a person can do in helping themselves heal is educating themselves about different forms of scams so they feel prepared in the future. Because when you hear about something like that this fear comes up. It's like, oh, I'm not sure I would have caught that if I had contacted them.
0: That's exactly what's going on in my mind right now. I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. I think I could have fallen for that one. Right. They are very
1: creative. They are very skilled. I say that over and over with people. They are so good at this. So this does not mean you're stupid. They're just that good.
0: Of your clients, have any of them Mm -hmm. moved on to find love again in relationships? Absolutely.
1: Yes. Yes, they sure have. And smarter in terms of they know what to look for after this has happened. And uh, an unfortunate side effect there too is that they're far less trusting of people in general, which is a little sad, but it's needed for them to feel safe, we'll say. But yes, absolutely. Many people have gone on to find a good, solid partner.
0: Yeah, I guess it would be kind of like if your partner in a previous relationship hadn't had fair, you'd bring that, what we call baggage, to the next relationship, and you got to be able to work on that. It'd be kind of the same, but with trust would be the mm-hmm. issue.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Yep. And gaslighting, abuse, all of those things end up as baggage, and we carry them forward, and we have to work through that to be. The healthiest we can be in our next relationship and
0: not take it out on the person, the next person, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to, uh, for a victim who's been involved in a romance scam, who starts dating mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. when would you advise that they open up about that? That's something that a lot of them have asked me before, you know, do they say it up front or do they wait until they've been dating a while?
1: I would say that there's a dating a while timeframe, but it wouldn't be the same for every relationship. So not right up front. I would hold that back at first until you get some sense of this person and how they are, who they are. And at some point, I don't know that I can even pick a number, Right, five or six dates as an example. At some point, though, it's going to feel like it's time that you reveal this. Maybe you've already been triggered a couple of times by something the person said. Maybe something similar has come up and you felt like you should have revealed it. But I tend to feel like I trust people's intuition about this. I, I tend to say... You're probably going to know when it's time. And now, if it's a trigger because it's a red flag, that's different, right? Maybe you never reveal it with this person. Maybe that is a red flag. And telling the difference between being triggered because it's a red flag or being triggered by an innocent statement or action from this person, it takes a lot of effort to discern the difference,
0: I want to thank Kathy so very much for finally giving me some answers. This half hour is giving me more insight than any interview I've done on this podcast. I'm actually thinking about possibly reaching out for more individual attention. I love how she lifts scam victims and their families up and gives them hope for a better tomorrow without being condescending. Again, her book is called The Emotional Impact of Being Scammed and How to Recover, It's only $3 for the Kindle version and $9 for the paperback. Her website with the outline on what you need to recover has a link to the book, too. You can find it at lifepathcounseling.com. I've also posted that link on the Scammer Stories Facebook page. And don't forget, I love hearing from you. Email me at scammerstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's April. Until next time, Scammer Warriors.